0: The only podcast you need for your business let's do this welcome to the sales versus marketing podcast I'm your host Scott join me as we explore and demystify the latest trends technologies and strategies used to achieve massive growth in 10x businesses I'll be sitting down with sales marketing and business leaders to dissect what's worked for them dispel myths and deliver actionable insights that you can use to ensure repeatable, sustainable, and predictable revenue in your business. Thank you very much for joining me, your host, Scott, on another episode of the Sales Versus Marketing Podcast where we speak with sales, marketing, and business leaders. Today, I am speaking with Dror Tamir, who is the co-founder and CEO of Hargol Food Tech. Now, Hargol is the first commercial grasshopper farm um, focused on, obviously, grasshoppers, which are nature's most efficient protein source. So I'm very, very interested to hear a little bit more um, about uh, how this concept came to be and what Drawer is doing. Now, Drawer himself is a very impressive entrepreneur. So he has an exit uh, with a previous company under his belt. Uh, currently, he has uh, 15 awards, and we're going to speak about one. He just realized uh, we just went from 14 to 15 in the past few minutes. Um, So uh, obviously, Hargol is doing incredibly well, Um, and not only has uh, Hargol won awards, but just drawer as an individual is very impressive with several um, high-ranking business positions in international companies and Israeli companies uh, over the last 25 years. Uh, Previous to that, coming from a career as as, uh, an individual within the IDF in the Navy. So uh, quite, uh, quite a long and interesting career that has led him to be the co-founder, CEO of a grasshopper farm. And obviously that's putting it lightly. So Dror, um, give me a little bit of background about, uh, about yourself and, and what led you to do this.
1: Well, I, I was born in a kibbutz in Israel, kibbutz money, And my, my grandfather was the chairman of that kibbutz. Uh, as the chairman of the kibbutz, he established two companies. One, one is called Galam which is now the largest corn processor in Israel. He was the first CEO of that company. And then he established a second company called Ambar, which is the largest feed producer in Israel today. He also served on the management team of that company. So so I may say that uh, industry and agriculture and food are in my blood. However, I do give most of the credit to my grandmother because she was the cook of the kibbutz and she used to wake me up around 4 a.m. every day Drag me to the kitchen and crack thousands of eggs to feed everyone.
0: Oh my goodness. So so right from, right from like a, a very very early, very early stage, um, you were like indoctrinated into the world of food.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing to, to look back 40plus uh, years now and think that my grandmother used to tell me that pomegranates are the healthiest fruit you can find, and, and you see now everyone knows that.
0: Yeah, it's true. So I think that it's funny, like an intuition sometimes um, is much, you don't know where the information or the knowledge comes from, but like mothers, grandmothers, they know best. And then like, uh, you know, years later, you'll see science back it up. But uh, obviously she knew what she was doing.
1: Absolutely. And and there's one thing she did tell me, but not with intention uh, for me to edit, was stories from the 1950s. Israel used to suffer from locust worms flying in from the desert, and my grandfathers used to, uh, grandparents used to run to the fields trying to scare the grasshoppers away. At the same time, they saw other Jews, Yemenite and Moroccan Jews, coming to the same field with sacks and collecting tons of grasshoppers and eating them. So as a very young boy, I learned that grasshoppers are food for many and that they are also kosher, uh, but nothing really prepared me what will happen 35 plus years into the future with that.
0: Oh, because there's obviously um, a a far, uh, it's a lot of steps between um, just like a casual, uh, you know, certain groups of of Yemenite. uh, I think in Moroccan, you said Jews uh, eat grasshoppers uh, as part of like a, like a cultural diet, but that's a far cry from being like a mass producer. So, so how did you, like, you obviously went through a couple different careers before you, you're doing what you're doing now. So walk us through, uh, you don't have to go into too much detail, but just like walk us through like what led you to obviously starting this company.
1: Well, um, I started my professional career uh, as part of the academic reserve of the IDF. Uh, I studied economics and, and accounting. And I served most of my military service of six years at the Israeli Navy Budget Department. The last position was head of the Israeli Navy Budget. Uh, part of it was flying to the U.S., negotiating with companies like Boeing and others. Um, and, and after that period, I, I, I moved to the next position, which was head of strategy planning for cellcom uh, which is the uh, leading mobile operator in Israel. At that point of time, owned by uh, U.S. Bell South, I learned a lot about international business and and um, and, and global operations. Mm-hmm. However, at, along that period of time of uh, about 11 years, something continued to bother me, and that was what was my real dream as a young boy, which was to become an entrepreneur. So. After five years at Cellcom, I decided to leave and became an entrepreneur. That's about 15 plus years ago. And since then, I've been involved in many, in many startups, from uh, food to uh, communication, medical devices, and many more. But all of them, uh, almost always, I, I'm being dragged again and again to my, to my passion, which is food and nutrition.
0: So that obviously is what led to to your most recent and and what you're working with now, uh, Hargill Food Tech, and that that is a passion of food and nutrition. So how did you, when you're building out a business, because um, a lot of people love food, a lot of people create incredible companies surrounded by food and nutrition. What made you think, oh, I remember um, that there was something there, and I'm going to bring like because I know I know that there are cultures in the world that are not, so I'm based in Toronto and obviously Toronto grasshoppers are not a common food. I think there's other cultures that are probably a little bit more acclimatized to eating insects than the North American culture. So did you think like, I'm going to take this to market in Israel? This is a great idea. Like what was that sort of the thought process that brought you to, to introduce grasshoppers en masse to the world?
1: Well, the thought process actually started at my previous startup called Plate My Meal, which dealt with obesity prevention. While I was working on that startup, I learned about protein deficiency in Asia and Africa. About one billion people today suffer from protein deficiency. And then I learned that the global demand for protein is actually expected to double while existing protein sources are reaching their limitations. So I realized that this is a huge problem, but also this is a huge opportunity for an entrepreneur. So I started looking for alternative protein sources and everywhere I looked, uh, I looked at cultured meat, I looked at algae, uh, plant-based protein. They didn't make sense to me. Each one of them had its own pros, but mainly its own cons. Uh, And I was looking for the optimal solution. And then I remembered the story of my grandparents about the grasshoppers. And I realized, well, this is a very interesting protein source because there is existing demand for it, mainly in Africa, Asia, and Central America. However, the qualities in terms of sustainability, in terms of health, in terms of taste and flavor are pretty amazing. How can I make someone in the developed world, in, in North America, in Europe, consume grasshoppers And while I was thinking about that, I I realized that there is a company in Israel that is called Tivol. What they did about 40 years ago, they took plant-based products and they made schnitzels out of them, which now sounds really familiar with Impossible Foods and and Beyond Meat. But this this company did it 40 years ago. It is now owned by Nestle. And I said, well, we we can do the same. We can just take the grasshopper protein and make schnitzels out of it. And the moment I thought about it, I said, well, that's, that's this is what you call steak tzatzar Now, yeah. if you are a Hebrew speaker, you'll get the joke because steak is a steak and tzarzar is a cricket. <laughs> um, however, and, 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 and I just rushed to the laptop to the laptop, and I wrote steak tzatzar We need more protein that is healthier and more sustainable. We're going to make schnitzels out of it and we will do it with grasshoppers. So that that started a little bit over six years ago, and I'm I'm really um, honored to say that today we already have sausages made of grasshoppers.
0: So, so, it's, so that it's was amazing so, to see
1: that we reached that.
0: Uh, no, I agree. Was there? And now you've made uh like like meat substitute products. Was there? W- speak about um you know when you're bringing this to market, it makes sense in your head. I can understand how you connected the dots. You've you've lived through the industry. You had the experience, even from a very young age, that that obviously uh, grasshoppers were something that could be consumed. But you spoke about developed world. So, speak about um, how you can market this product and bring it. Obviously, you've done it successfully to the developed world without that. uh, I don't know a knee jerk response, if that's the best word, or. You understand. Uh, I would
1: use the yak factor.
0: The yak factor,
1: I like that. The yak factor. That's that's the major challenge in the developed world. First, I believe that once you add the grasshopper protein in the form of a powder into finished products such as energy bars, sausages, milkshakes, and many, many more products, the yak factor is not as strong as it is while you're trying to consume the old insects. That is one thing. Second thing is you have to remember we are still a small startup and educating this huge population in North America and Europe is, is, is probably too big for us. So for us, the strategy is actually work with the big guys, with traditional food companies, food producers develop with them, innovative food products and take them to, uh, to market along with them and use their power to actually educate the market. That's smart. When, when we started six years ago, no one was willing to talk to us. However, in the past three to four years, the market has completely changed. And you can find companies like PepsiCo announcing that they already have Doritos with insect protein, or IKEA announcing that they will replace the meatballs, the Swedish meatballs at the restaurants from beef to insects, or even go to a Mariners game at the ballpark. For the last three seasons, they've been serving Whole, chipul- uh, whole grasshoppers, chapulines, as a snack. So mm. the world is changing fast and we are best positions, positioned to meet uh, to the, the demand from that market.
0: I agree. I think that I think the, the strategy that you took this to market is very smart um, through the larger companies. Now, how do you obviously you're going to get this question a lot, so uh, I don't feel bad asking. How do you compete with the meat substitutes? Why would people choose insect proteins that have any sort of yak factor over a meat substitute that people are probably probably don't understand the chemicals that are going into it so when they see a chemical on a package to them it's just white noise and it goes right over their head so there is no yak factor Um, obviously I think that the chemicals are probably not great for them but a lot of people don't think that far into what they're eating Um, but the you you said the yak factor so how do you how do you compete with um, the the substitute meats and the fake meats and and the beyond meats and all this stuff
1: that's a great question. Uh, and we can tackle it from two different angles. First one, let's talk about health health and uh, sustainability issues. Uh, the technology beyond meat and impossible uh, possible foods are bringing to the uh, market is, is pretty amazing. They take plants and make it feel like eating real meat, which is incredible. However, when I look at it, I think they took the technology too far because they took a single ingredient product, beef, border, replacing it with a 17 ingredient, highly processed product, which is unhealthy for you and probably unsustainable because of the uh, very complicated uh, supply chain. Now, it's not me saying it, you can just go and look what John Mackey from Whole Foods Market said. He said, we were the first one to put them on the shelves. We are the first one to take them off the shelves because we will not provide unhealthy foods to our customers. So I'm trying to figure out, well, actually, what is the message for Beyond meat and impossible foods? They're not healthier. They're not more sustainable. They can only claim we're not killing cows. Yeah. However, also that claim is not completely true. While they do not kill cows, they do kill tons of insects, trillions of insects. Because you cannot grow plants without killing the insects with pesticides. You kill them in a nasty way. These insects are just being wasted in the field. They contaminate the soil, the water, and even small animals that come and eat them. So if you look at it, eating grasshoppers is more humane than any plant-based diet because we use the entire animal. Nothing goes to waste. We do not use any pesticides and fertilizers. And even the way we harvest them, is done in a humane way. We are actually following the recommendations of the U- European Union, minimal harm done to animals. We use the fact that these are cold blood creatures. We drop the temperature, they fall asleep, and only then we freeze them. There is no mm-hmm. stress in the process of the animals.
0: I, I like that you highlighted the fact that, um, because, so I eat, obviously I eat lots of meat. I enjoy meat. Um, and I do feel that uh, a lot of, uh, people that don't eat meat or choose not to eat or consume meat and are big fans of beyond and whatnot. Um, I find that there's a little bit of shock value in the messaging uh, against meat, which I don't think is warranted because I really, I've heard that argument and I've I've researched a little bit about the argument you just made where um, plant-based is not killing less life. It's just, it's not something that you're going to see in, a, in a, you know, a, a dramatic YouTube video. And that's something that I think is lost on a lot of people. Um, so I, I definitely am aligned with what you're saying. And I think this is a very interesting way of looking at it. Because uh, I've never really thought of an alternative to, to meat. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm not a, I've never eaten a Beyond, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the concept. Um, but I never thought of anything else. I, just, I was like, I'll stick to meat, I'll stick to burgers, I'll stick to chicken, steak, whatever.
1: So let, let me tell you one thing.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by The Growth Gear with Tim Jordan. Now, obviously, I have my own podcast, but I am a consumer of content. I love great business shows that help me take my business to the next level. So if you are ready to accelerate your entrepreneurial journey, you have to dive into The Growth Gear with Tim Jordan. It is presented by Carbon Six. This is the driving force behind today's top e-commerce solutions and growth tools. Join Tim every week as he explores the cutting-edge Of business growth. From transformative digital marketing strategies to the emergence of new brands, the Growth Gear provides insights directly from the forefront of the industry. Whether you're a startup founder or a seasoned executive, this podcast offers the tools and insights necessary to propel your business to the next level. Subscribe to the Growth Gear with Tim Jordan on your preferred podcast platform and start turning insights into actions. Get ready to shift into high gear, the growth gear with Tim Jordan. It's your guide to accelerated success in a hyper-fast-paced business world. If you are building a business, you need to care about efficiency. You need to understand what your business is doing on a day-to-day. When it starts out, it's a little bit easier to do this. When it starts to grow, things start to get chaotic. NetSuite is a host of applications that help you understand The performance of your business drives major efficiency gains and cost savings. I've been working with NetSuite for a few months now. They are one of my favorite softwares that I truly believe any business that earns a few million dollars in revenue up to tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue has to consider. If you're working in an organization of that size, things are going to get hectic at some point. NetSuite by Oracle is going to help you out and they have rolled out the best offer that i've ever seen them roll out so netsuite really does give you visibility and control that you need to make decisions faster think about it as a coo that gets real-time insights and data into what's happening in your business and what's not going so right so that you can fix it asap it's costing you millions of dollars not to fix these issues that you may not even be aware exist now for the first time in over 22 years netsuite is deferring all payments on a full NetSuite implementation for six months Thirty-three thousand companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, so take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com scott d clary that is netsuite.com scott d clary to get the visibility old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching Qualified candidate on LinkedIn Jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn Jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com/excellence. That's LinkedIn.com/excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I really want to thank Miro. One of the most useful tools. They sponsor this podcast. They are my go-to resource when it comes to working remotely and collaborating. They're also great for an office, but let me paint a picture for you. Everyone here is working from home in some capacity. Either we have peers that work from home, maybe we're part in the office, part out. Collaboration can be chaotic. Miro is the ultimate digital whiteboard and visual collaboration platform. You could be a remote team, you could be a creative agency, you could be a solopreneur. Miro allows you to brainstorm, plan, and execute seamlessly. Picture this. You're in a virtual meeting mapping out a huge project with Miro. You can drag and drop sticky notes, sketch wireframes, organize ideas all in real time. You collaborate with your team no matter where they are. This is a game changer. If you are ready to transform your workflow, you have to try Miro today. To show you how powerful it is, I created my own Miro board that you can check out at Miro.com Slash success pod. It has a ton of resources for entrepreneurs, but it will also show you all the functionality of Miro. So go to Miro.com or go to Miro.com slash success pod for a ton of resources. Try Miro today. It's going to radically change how you collaborate with your team.
1: We we, we decided to, to choose a different strategy. And what we did, we want to make the product healthier and more sustainable, but we still want to keep the exact same experience for you as a consumer. You want to eat meat, so let's enjoy meat. So what we're doing, we're taking meat-based products like sausages, and we are replacing a portion of the protein with grasshopper's protein. This makes the product healthier and more sustainable. There is no additional processing. We are just mixing the basic grasshopper powder into it. Uh, we started with about 8% grasshopper protein, and we increased it to 12%. 25 we already reached 45 percent for you as a consumer the sausage will feel exactly like a beef sausage you will not be able to tell the difference but eventually it will be much healthier for you and more sustainable
0: and i would also say that if you're if you are in like if you're doing a 45 percent lean protein source because i I can't imagine that there's any fat in grasshoppers at all the overall nutrition the nutrient profile of a, of this sausage is now much health, healthier too.
1: Exactly. There's only, only 10% fat in grasshoppers. 50% of it are fatty acids, omega-3 and omega-6 that you really need. So it's really healthy for you.
0: So, so let's, so where do you, where do you want to take your company next? So you now are considered a, a serial entrepreneur. What would be the next step, um, for, for, for you?
1: Well, right now our production capacity is relatively low. Uh, we have four operating facilities in northern Israel, but still the demand we see for, for for our product is much higher than our production capacity. I would estimate about 60 times higher than our capacity. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do you deal with it? One option is raise a lot of money, and 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 try to meet that demand. Another option, which we chose, which we cho- chose, is to try to target niche markets, niche, niche in the markets that can generate much higher uh, margins, much higher revenues per kilogram of grasshoppers. And, and especially if these niche in the markets are uh, where you can identify, identify early adopters, that could actually accelerate your sales in the future. And we, we did identify three niches. Uh, the first one are athletes. Uh, and we are we are developing sports protein powders we do that in a joint venture with Nuva Nuva is the largest largest food producer in Israel that is owned by mm-hmm. Chinese bright food and we expect uh, by next quarter to introduce the first prototype second go for products we discussed meat replacement products we received a grant from the Israeli Ministry of Health and Innovation Authority to develop healthier sausages and we are negotiating with um, US-based and European-based sausage companies, uh, a joint venture to uh, continue the development and also manufacturing and distribution of those products. Last category, which currently find, we, I find most exciting is nutritional supplements. The fastest growing category in nutritional supplements today is gummies. In the U.S. alone, it's about $5.7 billion market. $4 billion of it is for adults. So we developed gummy bears with grasshopper protein, and we made them honey-flavored because John the Baptist used to eat grasshoppers with honey. That's funny. So now we have a very healthy food product that is also sustainable but can also deliver an amazing story from the bible eat like john the baptist eat biblical food and be more healthy and and save the environment and we rebranded the entire line of products that we are that we have uh, with these uh, products we call it biblical protein we expect (laughs) to launch the first product the gummies, in the u.s by the end of the month
0: that's very good and and is that more or less how you've You've taken this product to market, it's through like these brand mar- like these brand partnerships and whatnot. That's really how you've you've been successful.
1: Well, it's part of it. Um, when you are a startup, you have to be as focused as you can on what you do best. And for us, it's growing grasshoppers. So going out and trying to develop sausages or gummies or sports protein powders will make you lose focus and you won't be able to develop your business. You will spend your funds and you will never reach any, any goal or target.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So reaching the market with those products, the only way to, to move forward was joint ventures with leading food producers. However, I give most of the credit to where we are at to our R&D team because many companies or many entrepreneurs around the world know about the potential of grasshoppers and many tried farming them and failed. We were the first to be successful because of our team that was able to identify exactly the needs and and the way grasshoppers live and develop the entire closed environment that supports their their, uh, growth year-round, accelerate their uh, incubation, the, the eggs incubation of the grasshoppers from 40 weeks in the wild to two weeks in our incubators, and then develop innovative cage infrastructure that enable us to grow vertically, making the entire operation super efficient.
0: Now you mentioned something that I thought was very interesting. Um, and I don't think enough people focus on this. This lesson could be sort of extrapolated to many different scenarios. So you mentioned to focus on what you do best, because if you aren't, you're going to be spinning your wheels, you're going to be wasting your time and your money. So in your background, in your history, how did you learn that lesson? Because that's a very, very powerful lesson, and I agree with you completely.
1: Uh, Well, as I mentioned, for the last 15-plus years, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I was involved in medical devices and and communications. And in many uh, startups, the team did not include uh, all, let's say, all the relevant uh, experts. Mm For example, in one of the communication companies I was involved in, and I did come from a communication company, but again, I knew about strategy, maybe finance, maybe marketing, but I knew nothing about transmission, and we never had that, such an expert on the team, so it's a little bit hard to move forward when you, you're lacking that knowledge and know-how, uh, so that is one thing. And you're trying to develop your business wh- while you're not focusing on what you're supposed to do best, which is communication.
0: And, and is, that, is that something that you took to heart that was very important for you as you were building out um, your company now?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I came up with the idea. I had 100% from a company I originally called Stakes Arts And I wanted to raise money and started start building the business and for me the first step was build the right team so i went out shopping for two persons one is a person that knows what grasshoppers are and is able to to grow them and that is hanan aviv the, the second partner in the company that for over 30 years has been growing and breeding and also eating a wide range of insects and the second and the third part is ben friedman that specializes in food and nutritional supplement regulation, because that's also a big issue of building the, the
0: business. That's smart. So, so you, you basically, uh, and this is also another good lesson that can be sort of uh, agnostic of industry. Um, you're, you're very niche, but agnostic of industry to, to really uh, fill the parts of the business that you aren't an expert in or that, that you may be very strong in, but you're not like the best in, that should be your founding team. And that's something that I think you did very well.
1: Absolutely. Don't, don't hire your friends. Hire experts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard that uh, multiple times, almost to the point where it's like, don't, don't hire anybody you know, because you're, you're not going to be getting the most out of that person. And it's not going to really help you take the business to where you need to take it, really. Um, exactly.
1: And I would add one more thing about that. Uh, you know, uh, when when I started, I had 100% of the company. And after I met Anand and Ben, I made them full partners from day one. And I think that is the smartest decision I ever made in a business. Because it took us almost three years to raise funds from an investor. Three years of working full time on a startup without getting paid, only wasting money and time. Mm-hmm. And you can do something you like that only when you have full partners on the team with you.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because if if you didn't have those people as partners, um, it's I love the saying: it's better to own a part of something than all of uh, than all of nothing, right? So if you don't have those partners, they're not going to be committed to the same extent that you are. Right. Yeah. No, that's very good. I want to. Whenever I we covered a lot about your career. Um, about grasshoppers, which I, I, I was very interested to chat with you about this, so thank you. I wanted to, um, before we finish, uh, just speak about some sort of like lessons learned across your career. But I wanted to give you the floor before we transition. Is there anything else um, about Hargo Food Tech that you wanted to bring up that I didn't sort of dive into?
1: Well, I think, um, I think we covered almost everything. I will add one more thing. Uh, Although we talked about how we penetrate the U.S. and maybe European markets with innovative food products, eventually we want to be able to feed the entire world. So while we are launching these new high-end products, we continuously work on improving our production efficiency, reducing our production costs, and we do expect in the coming years to be able to establish grasshopper farms across Asia and Africa and feed the masses.
0: No, that's very, that's very ambitious, but it's very impressive. And, you know, I say ambitious, but look at what you've done so far. So I think that, uh, like you're, you're going in the right direction for sure. Um, what I wanted to, what I wanted to tee up because obviously you've been successful, you've worked across a couple of different startups. I want to frame for people that are younger in their career, uh, your journey. So a couple these are very vanilla questions, but I really do enjoy them. So for example. Um, what would be one lesson that you would tell your younger self about business, entrepreneurship um, that you've learned?
1: Actually, I'm saying two things all the time. One is don't wait. Go out and start doing because in order to be, to be successful, you have to fail and fail a lot. So you have to start young. I wish I could start younger 10, 15, 20 years will uh, uh, bring success much earlier. That is one. Mm-hmm. Second one is, if you want something to be done, go out and do it. And for me, that that's my my day to day.
0: Very good. I like those two. Those are very. Those are very good. And I agree as well. Um, what would be one skill? Uh, it could be something uh, like like a sales strategy or a sales skill, or it could be something uh There could be something uh, like a leadership quality that. If you want to be successful in a career or in uh, entrepreneurship, people should try and learn or improve on. What's like a very, very important skill set?
1: I would say being able to sell, um, and it's not about selling your product. It's about selling yourself, because at the beginning, all you have is yourself telling the story. And you cannot find someone else to tell the story for you. I know there's many entrepreneurs bring someone else to be on stage, to tell the story, to show the presentation, to speak on the video, or talk to investors. Well, probably they will not get investments, they will not be able to move forward. You have to face this uh, the anxiety and, and just go out and find a way to sell yourself. You can start with your relatives, with your spouse, uh, with your parents, with your friends, practice on them. They will be the greatest crowd you could ever have, and when you're ready, go out and talk to others uh, but it has to be eventually it has to be you being able to sell yourself and your business
0: very good very much agreed too um and lastly uh where do you go to learn um so do you do podcasts, books uh do you have like uh, somebody like a mentor that you really enjoy um if you want to sort of expand your own knowledge
1: uh I would say yes to all those sources. You can find online today so much information and background and and exciting things to learn. One more thing that is really inspiring to me, and that is listening to people on the radio. I'm trying to listen to politicians, to businessmen, to regular people, and trying to figure out how they deliver their message. Try to figure out how it feels for me. Uh, Was their message delivered? They convince me, and mm-hmm. then I'm trying to implement what I think was working for them.
0: That goes back to the importance of being able to sell. Sell yourself.
1: Uh, not only it's not yes, it's selling, but it's also talking to to others, because every time you talk to your partners, to your investors, to your employees, you're selling yourself. You have to be able to deliver a message and motivate them to do what you want so it's about being able in a convincing way
0: very good very good um, and, and lastly if people want to get in touch with you uh, and connect with you or learn more how do they reach out to you is LinkedIn email what's the best way
1: I, they can find me easily everywhere they can find me on LinkedIn Facebook Twitter uh, Instagram um, my details are my contact details are on the web on Hargle uh, website Hargle.com I'm, I'm trying to respond to everyone personally.
0: Very good. Very good. So that's all I have. Um, so thank you, Dora. I appreciate it very much. Um, this was obviously another great episode of the Sales versus Marketing podcast. Uh, as always, if you haven't already, please, please like, please subscribe, uh, please leave a rating. Any ratings fine. As long as it's a five-star rating, you can find this podcast, stream it, and download it wherever podcasts are available and you can also see it on YouTube. As always, have a great week, have a productive week, and we will speak again soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Sales vs. Marketing Podcast, brought to you by
1: ROI Overload, delivering strategy, technology, and insights to both sales and marketing leaders and teams globally.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by The Growth Gear with Tim Jordan. Now, obviously, I have my own podcast, but I am a consumer of content. I love great business shows that help me take my business to the next level. So if you are ready to accelerate your entrepreneurial journey, you have to dive into The Growth Gear with Tim Jordan. It is presented by Carbon Six. This is the driving force behind today's top e-commerce solutions and growth tools. Join Tim every week as he explores the cutting-edge Of business growth. From transformative digital marketing strategies to the emergence of new brands, The Growth Gear provides insights directly from the forefront of the industry. Whether you're a startup founder or a seasoned executive, this podcast offers the tools and insights necessary to propel your business to the next level. Subscribe to The Growth Gear with Tim Jordan on your preferred podcast platform and start turning insights into actions. Get ready to shift into high gear, the growth gear with Tim Jordan. It's your guide to accelerated success in a hyper fast-paced business world. If you are building a business, you need to care about efficiency. You need to understand what your business is doing on a day-to-day. When it starts out, it's a little bit easier to do this. When it starts to grow, things start to get chaotic. NetSuite is a host of applications that help you understand the performance of your business drives major efficiency gains and cost savings. I've been working with NetSuite for a few months now. They are one of my favorite softwares that I truly believe any business that earns a few million dollars in revenue up to tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue has to consider. If you're working in an organization of that size, things are gonna get hectic at some point. NetSuite by Oracle, is going to help you out and they have rolled out the best offer that i've ever seen them roll out so netsuite really does give you visibility and control that you need to make decisions faster think about it as a coo that gets real-time insights and data into what's happening in your business and what's not going so right so that you can fix it asap it's costing you millions of dollars not to fix these issues that you may not even be aware exist now for the first time in over 22 years netsuite is deferring all payments on a full NetSuite implementation for six months. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite. So take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com slash Clary. That is netsuite.com slash to get the visibility